She's a three-time national squash champion and ranked number 35 in the world. But Alex Fuller has largely had to make it on her own overseas, taking the plunge to move abroad and improve her squash by taking on the world's best on a regular basis. Now, with COVID-19 putting a spanner in the works, she's back in Cape Town and working as a fitness coach. Um, you know, it was a slight COVID-19 uh, plan. Um, I was back in Ireland from January until March, playing some tournaments overseas and that, and then came back and then to try and renew visas and all that kind of thing, and then lockdown happened unexpectedly. So, yeah, so the whole process has just been like a little bit on a backlog. Um, but, yeah, we're going to hopefully start processing a few more things now. I was going to say, what is, what has been the impact of COVID nineteen? Firstly, on on your squash season um, and the squash calendar as a whole, from a from a PSA point of view. Um, yes, yeah, so I didn't get to finish the season last year. Um, I missed um, the whole of May and part of April, um, so that's impacted. And those tournaments have obviously been postponed until next year. Um, and then our PSA off season is from May until August. So. Um, I didn't have any tournaments around that time anyway, so it's actually been okay in terms of that. Um, and then, obviously, so then the South African season starts now, or it started in like September, October, and we've got that October start, and obviously nationals being able to be held. Um, so yeah, all in all, like it hasn't been too bad, I guess, but like yeah, just tournaments haven't been able to play many since so March. And now, what is what does the next few months look like? I mean, are they from a, from a local South African point of view and from a PSA international point of view? What does the next six months to a year look like? Do you know yet, or are you still still waiting to see what the impact of COVID will be? Well, it's been difficult to plan like so far in advance now. It's basically just like trying to see what the next month brings and what's going to happen with COVID and lockdown and what things are able to like take place and whatever. So. Um, so yeah, nationals obviously happened. Um, we were unable to do the ESA Open and all that as well. Um, PSA-wise, I've got no more tournaments until there's even not much on the calendar for January. So I think countries are struggling to get sponsors and put in for certain tournaments, um, not knowing if they can actually be held on those specific dates, which suits the club and the sponsors or wherever they hold. Um, so yeah, I think I think tournaments will probably only resume from like February or March, PSA-wise. PSA-wise. So your um, your world rankings up to thirty five. Am I right in saying that's the highest you've been? I mean, if that if that is the case, it must be yes. incredibly frustrating for you to have reached the highest that you've gone so far, not to sort of be stuck in limbo. Yeah, so obviously, being based in Ireland is a game changer in terms of the exposure and the accessibility and all that to tournaments and travelling and how much easier it is and everything. So I was really trying to climb the ranks and keep my ranking up, um, play more tournaments. Um, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, in terms of that, it's definitely been impacted. Um, yeah, and I'm kind of just hoping that I'm going to hold my ranking and not drop too much. And then, um, yeah, I hope you try and climb when I can. And when did that mindset arrive, Alex, that you had to leave South Africa if you're going to make a proper full go of it? And, and, and what did you go through to thinking, right, I need to go and base myself overseas if I really want to take this seriously and, and get as high in the world as possible? Um, so, yeah, it's definitely been something that I've considered for yeah for many years. I've travelled, I've played on the tour from South Africa for five, for six years, and it's tough. I mean, it's just it's long travelling hours. Financially, it's not viable at all. 
Um, and then it was, yeah, it was basically uh, my boyfriend and I, we made the decision to be based in Ireland. And it's obviously much easier to do it with somebody else. Um, so we both supported each other um, in making the move and doing it. And yeah, we never looked back. It was really, really good for yeah, for both our careers. And is he is he working over there? Is it was he acting as, as sort of support staff to yourself? He's a cricketer, so he what um, also helped that he got a cricket contract, which meant that like money was coming in from his side as well, and then money was coming from my side. So we had a, a dual income with you. And what is that? Uh, what does that PSA season look like, Alex? From a, from a number of tournaments point of view, you're obviously now you, you're nice and centrally based. What is a full season? You know, if you forget about COVID, what does a full season on the on the women's interna- international tour look like? Um, so for me, I try and play between ten and twelve tournaments in a year. Um, how the ranking system has changed a bit now. They don't take your average points and work out of the divisor to get your ranking it's now an accumulative of your best um nine tournaments i think right um so basically if i play too many and i have like bad scores that actually won't impact my ranking it'll always take my best eight so that's good so i mean sometimes you can play for the money rather than have to worry about the points all the time and have to accumulate like think about the way you need to finish up in the draw and um, just to like just to meet your average you can kind of just play freely and hopefully you yeah, well and I mean, were you able to see the results once you, you know, you, you spent a prolonged period in Ireland, based overseas? I mean, what, what was kind of the key to kicking on and seeing an improvement? And obviously, in the results meant the improvement in the world ranking. Was was it being based there and consistently playing top level squash week in and week out? Yes, and also I was playing. Um, I started playing PSL, so I was playing league in England. So I was exposed to like a lot more like matches, not just tournaments. It was league matches. Um, yeah, it was basically just just being able to freely travel um, and everything not being like an absolute hassle um, and like a long duration of a trip that was just it was just easier. It was pain. It was painless. It was pain free. It was just. It was like a breeze, and I think yeah, going to a tournament then didn't seem like as much of a of a slip, you know, from here. And I'm just probably like different mindset. I had um, fresh new blood, um, had like different health, so just like different perspectives and that kind of thing really helped. Um, yeah, I must say the Irish were super supportive and they were so accommodating to every single thing that I did. And it was crazy to know that I had like a massive support team in Ireland as well when I was only there for a year, you know. So that also made like a massive difference. Like it was just like people, everyone was just behind me, and it just felt like really good. I mean, it's it's you know the Irish hospitality. It's no surprise to you, but it, it it's also unfortunately a sad indictment on. Uh, on South African sports, from from a if you look at perhaps from a SASCO point of view, from a support point of view, that, that athletes like yourselves in in so-called smaller sports really you know have to battle to and forge your own way and, and and fund their own way to go and make it overseas. I mean, do you do you feel like there's a lack of support back in South Africa for what you're trying to achieve as South Africa's top squash player? Um, yeah, I definitely think there is. Um, yeah, that's. That lack of support, um, I don't know if it's got to do with the resources that we're lacking as SA Squash or what the story is, but yeah, there's definitely, um, yeah, the structure overseas is, is great. Um, you kind of almost, yeah, you're forced to work and, and make a living somehow as well, you know. 
to tournaments, the, the money that you make from the tournaments, half of it goes to your, your profits and half goes towards your expenses and not everything towards your expenses, you know. So you can kind of see the light of the end of the tunnel, but traveling from South Africa is financially the not viable as a professional squash player. And what is the message from Squash SA? Is it kind of, you know, see you, good luck, and, and we'll follow your progress sort of thing? Yeah, they've always been very supportive of me. Um, we email a lot, and they obviously follow my... Yeah, if I'm just unable to assist. I see you're a qualified personal trainer. So, do you actually work as a personal trainer in in Ireland, or do you are you full time squash player? Um, in Ireland, I was I was coaching. I was coaching some of the Irish juniors. I got involved with the whole junior setup. I was managing and coaching some of the tours, um, which was amazing. I got to meet a whole lot of people. I got to like make a bit of a name for myself there, um, and they included me so much. They wanted me to be on board, and so that was amazing. I've only started practicing personal training since I've been back in Cape Town. Um, so I've been working at a gym at Game Point for Oxygen and Functional Fitness. Um, yeah, but in Ireland, I wasn't doing any personal training. I was just coaching and playing, and then playing with the You've been encouraged by, by perhaps, you know, is an example in the form of Natalie Granger, who, who you know, who was, a, who was, who did represent South Africa, but also had to ultimately go overseas to make a name and ultimately ended up as, as a world number one playing for the for United States. Is she someone that perhaps you look up to as a, someone with strong South African ties that, that went overseas and made it like you're attempting to do? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, we've had a few of our top men that have done the same thing, you know, um, Steve Poppinger, Shonda Roof, Vincent Liu, they all went overseas and it was the only way that they could succeed, you know, so these are all people that um, yeah, we should all be chatting to about these kind of moves. Um, I think it's a great thing to do as just uh, individually as a person to grow and to expand, you know, that the world is so small. But, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a great move to do for yourself, to do for the sport. Um, yeah, and it's definitely, definitely helps having those kind of people, you know, like the people that have all succeeded um, yeah, from that environment. So, so yeah, I think it's a great um Let's talk about the quality of, of South African squash at the moment, Alex, because, I mean, the, the Nationals took place just a few weeks ago, and there's no doubt that it, something that didn't escape me was that you had a 48-year-old Rodney Durbach in the quarterfinals or the semifinals of the men's. You had uh, Sam Herbert and and Farris Stern in the quarterfinals of the of the women's. I mean, those are those are people that are all well into their 40s, is there? Is there a concern, I mean, you're 27, I mean, is there a concern there isn't a, a pipeline of young South African squash talent coming through if you've got the likes of the, those golden oldies still competing at national level? Definitely. I think it's sad. It, honestly, it saddens me the fact that squash is not pushed in the schools. Um, you know, our depth at the moment is just, it's just not what it used to be, you know. Um, I don't know if it's got to do with school level, if it's the gap between leaving school and wanting to go pro, there's no structure in place for people to be like, pushing to go pro at university levels. There's no like there's no academies, there's no um, yeah, there's no real support actually from not just SA squash, from the whole structures even below, you know, from schools to universities to clubs and, and so forth. Compared to like um, anywhere in the UK, they've got like main coaches there. They run academies, they run group sessions. They're very successful, and it's just yeah, I just think we've kind of missed the boat in something in terms of like pushing squash as a sport. I think it's one of the, the best sports that any person can play. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's just there's just not enough 
young talent coming through to push these golden oldies, as you say, um, out. So they stand in the ground and, and competing. I suppose there's no silver bullet to solving the issue, but I mean, what do you think some of the key elements are? You mentioned pushing it at school, and I mean, I, you know, I remember when you know we were at school. Fortunately, we were exposed to squash. Do you think there's been a there's been a change in what kids are now exposed to? You know, from from a sport, from an activity point of view, it's kind of almost been diluted. There isn't a focus, on perhaps, on certain sports that have you know, incredible benefits like squash. I think a lot of the schools are pushing the main sports like cricket, rugby, um, football, per se. Um, and Joe, I was actually just speaking to one of the guys at the gym and he said that his son would love to play squash, but they've pushed um, cricket and rugby way more. So it's just sad because he would have also loved to play squash, but they just didn't give him that extra boost. Obviously difficult to make a living out of squash. You've got your personal training qualification. I mean, is that something that you you see yourself doing uh, post, post-playing career? Yes, definitely. Um... Yeah, definitely. I'm like a fitness fanatic. Um, I love exercising, as anybody who knows me well will know. Um, so definitely something that I wanted to obviously expand in. Um, I think it's just very knowledgeable as a professional sports person to also have the insight of how to train, how your body works properly, um, recovery, and yeah, and so forth. So I definitely want to stay within this industry after squash. Um, so I studied it while I, while I was playing. I mean, you have a lot of um, spare time as well while you're playing if you're not working as well. Um, obviously, while you're playing tournaments, and I've got like, a lot of downtime, so I thought I may as well keep myself busy and yeah, expand my knowledge. So definitely something that I've um, looked into post-squash um, that I will stick in this kind of environment. For the moment, you're still enjoying, obviously, the travel. You know, should you be able to get overseas again and base yourself in, in Ireland? Uh, you've obviously you know, seen some amazing European cities. Is that something that you'd love to do more of as well, the international travel? Yes, um, I'd love to do a lot more international travel with art bus squash rackets, um, plan a few more holidays and things like that. Um, most of our tournaments are actually based in the States, um, Egypt, a couple in the UK, and um, like Asia, Hong Kong area. So we don't have very many within Europe. The guys' tours, like, it's very expensive. They've got loads of, like, like, pool venues and that kind of thing. Um, we are definitely got a lot of a lot of places to sort of pop up with this. So, um, you know, it can't all be work and no play. I mean, you mentioned uh, you're a fitness nut, but you can't run and play squash all day and night. So um, uh, what are, the, what are the other, some of the other things when you've got downtime and you're not studying it, Alex Fuller likes to do? Anything that involves being out and about and active, I love going to the beach. I'm a complete beach bum. Um, I love going to markets, I love seeing my friends. We go to wine farms, we go for walks. Um, you know, I just want to be outdoors all the time. I can't sit on my bum for too long. So how does that played out in, in cold and wet Ireland? I, I would imagine that that would have been quite a challenge for, besides the three days of summer they get every year. It was tough. It was really tough. Last year I wore shorts once the whole year and I counted, the, <laughs> I counted on my fingers because there was only once. Um, yeah, I were, it was a struggle because I suck at cold weather. So, But you kind of like forced yourself at one stage. It was like a month or two after living there and I walked outside. I was like, it actually isn't too bad. It's quite pleasant. And I looked at my watch at the weather and it was like eight degrees. I was like, no way. I can't believe I'd ever think I would ever say that. Um, so yeah, you just kind of have to adapt. Um, you know, there's a lot of beautiful walks and like really cool things to do with an island. So yeah, I just 
made the most of it with gloves and beanies and scarves. Um, Ireland's also legendary for its pub culture and pints of Guinness. So did uh, you and your boyfriend sample some of that, that as well, I would imagine? Yes, definitely, but I can't uh, stomach it. Too many, too many Guinnesses. <laughs> so do the, do the Irish, Irish squash players uh, play hard and party hard? Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I'd say the cricket players party harder. Um, but yeah, the squash players definitely play hard. Um, yeah, I'd say party hard, actually. Yeah. So um, what's the ultimate goal, Alex, from a, from a playing point of view? Where do you, you know, you're 27 now, you've, you, you're the highest ranking you've been in the world. You're 30, you know, ranked 35 in the world. Give me a kind of sense of your six to, to six months to a year and the next five years as you try and get the most out of your career. What, what are your goals? I mean, definitely trying to, you know, try and crack into that top 10 in the world would be like an ultimate goal, you know. Um, unfortunately, with the situation that I've been in, a lot of the time I'm just playing year on, year on, because financially I'm not always sure that I can commit my, myself fully to like maybe a three-year plan. And that all goes down to like finances. So as long as I can make a, a decent living out of playing and supplementing that income with working in some way, shape or form, then I can keep going. But, um, I mean, I'm also, I'm 27, like you say, like, I'm also wanting to, you know, have that different things in life that I want to start taking off as well, you know. Um, so, yeah, it all comes down to finances. If I'm not able to to, to earn a, a decent living of squash, I'm not able to get to live a comfortable life, then we'll see. So, yeah, I've actually been actually enjoying having, like, a year year-on-year-on year on approach because I give it a full go for a year and then be like, oh, I'm going to do it again for another year. Oh, I'm going to do it again for another year. So as long as my finances are in order, I can keep going. That is quite an interesting take from a pro squash player, but you can understand why. With little in the way of support, you can see why this fitness nut is taking it year by year as she seeks to get the most out of her squash, even if that means the odd pint of Guinness in cold and wet Ireland.